Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. While we typically look at the movies over this short podcast series, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and myself will take a look at The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Not technically a movie, but streaming on the Disney platform, so that's close enough during this pandemic. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy this episode, Megan and I look at episode five, The Truth, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox backing in with Megan Doherty for our continued exploration of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Today, episode five, Truth. Uh, if you have not watched the show, this will be major spoilers, so uh, if you want to watch the show first and come back and listen to this podcast, this is your final warning. So our synopsis, Wilson and Barnes demand the shield from the new Captain America, John Walker, starting a fight in which Walker destroys Sam's wingsuit. The fight ends with uh, Sam and Bucky taking the shield and breaking Walker's arm. Barnes fry, finds Zemo in Sokovia and hands him over to the Dora Lodge while <clears throat> Sam receives uh, a uh, excuse me, while the new captain, uh, John Walker, receives something other than an honorable discharge. Um, you can receive what's called a general discharge is what he got. And is stripped of his role as Captain America, loses his pension, and loses basically his life as a soldier. Afterwards, uh, Walker is approached by the alluring Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, Val for those in the know, um, and um, she has a very short and interesting conversation with John Walker. Uh, Wilson leaves the damaged suit with Joaquin Torres and visits Bradley, that's Isaiah Bradley, who states his belief that a black man cannot and indeed should not be Captain America. Sam returns home and helps fix the family boat with the assistance of many locals, who, uh, as well as Bucky, who shows up and delivers a briefcase from the Wakandians to Sam. Uh, Bucky and Sam train with the shield and agree to move on from their past and pasts and work together. The flag smashers take a very dark turn and plan an attack on a GRC conference and are joined by Batrock, who has been hired by former agent Sharon Carter. In mid scene, in mid credit scenes, we see a very interesting John Walker, the former new Captain America building a new shield from scrap metal and his Medal of Honor. So, Megan, lots to unpack. What are some of the cookies you liked or other cool stuff? Well, this was one of – I found this – of the series so far, one of the most emotionally impactful episodes. Um, I had a lot of audible gasping uh, throughout this one, so I, this is one of my favorites so far. Um, we've got a, a list of items here. So, um, Truth and Isaiah Bradley – you wrote one down. What do you think about that? 
that was an incredibly poignant scene. It's where Sam he actually actually takes Captain America's shield to Isaiah Bradley, although Bradley does not want him to even open it from its carry pouch. And we get a backstory, the backstory on Bradley. It's similar to Cap, uh, uh, the original Captain America story, in terms he uh, that he uh, was had friends captured, colleagues captured, and uh, went to uh, broke rules and orders to go save them. But whereas Captain America, the original Captain America, was celebrated for that, um, to, uh, uh, Isaiah was uh, eventually put in the brig and indeed given 30-year prison sentence where he was tested, medically tested. He also talked about uh, the there were other people given the super serum. Most, in fact, all of them eventually died. He was the last one. Uh, the, uh, they were trying to find out why he survived, and that was the reason for the testing. I found that uh, incredibly gruesome, uh, in addition to be very touching, mm-hmm. but one of the best discussions of race in America that I've recently heard. And he does end up saying that uh, he he's not going to carry the shield and he doesn't think a black man should. Um, that seemed to be an open question. Uh, Sam, listen to all this. It's clear Sam still believes. And Sam doesn't see himself as a black American. He sees himself as an American. So um, there's a very uh, poignant part uh, you saw all of the pain uh, that uh, Isaiah Law uh, had Raleigh lost. He lost a woman he loved. He was finally taken pity on by a nurse who somehow managed to convince the authorities he was dead, and he's now been hiding uh, off-grid for the last 30 years. Yeah, I thought Sam's response to all of it was, it, at first I found his kind of faith in the system or his faith in you know the, the Captain America mythos to be a little confusing, like why with all of this evidence that it's not the way it is, is he still so positive for it? But it kind of seemed like, especially towards the end of this episode, when um, Bucky was, you know, being really upfront with Sam and saying, hey, you know, we never thought about what it would mean to give the shield to a black man. It, it seems like Sam has really thought about it just and made his own decision. He's like, no, this is a thing that I want, like, could do and will believe in and work for. And I thought that was a really awesome character development. Uh, just he goes along taking in all of these inputs and then kind of deciding, okay, no, I'm actually going to just make up my own mind about this, regardless of what anyone else says. I thought that was really cool. The Contessa. The Contessa was so great. Oh, wow. She's so cool. Just cool, like Zemo cool. And the, like, I always wanted to be that cool, and I will never be, and that's okay. But, oh, she was awesome. Who do you, who do you think she represents? Well, uh, she actually represents the Contessa. That's a char- Marvel character. And it was Nick Fury's longtime love interest until it turned out she was a actually Russian-slash-Hydra agent, which cooled their relationship somewhat. I love when she headed over the blank business card. I was going to say, she has the coolest business card ever. So uh, <laughs> I may have to get my own business cards like that. But um, she opposed the question that I think has been a, a storyline throughout this, but she brought it into the open is, who owns the shield? Yeah, because I, I had assumed this whole time that it was kind of a property of the American government type thing. That that had been my assumption. Right. Uh, which I guess is wrong because it really it was never made by the American government. It was just well, it was made by a contractor of the American government, one Howard Stark. But didn't didn't they get a new one made? Didn't the the, the Wakandans make one? Oh, you know, you're right. The the Wakandans made a new okay. one for Cap. Yeah, so I think that is like yeah, that's the one they're dealing with. So maybe it, it is a jurisdictional dispute. 
but he was given that shield when the Wakandans were not, um, you know, known to the world. So True. perhaps there's a caveat. But it did pose an interesting question. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm wondering, do you think it's it's Hydra who's interested in former new Captain America? <laughs> the pronouns are getting confusing with this one. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, we haven't seen explicitly Hydra yet in any of this. Well, they've obviously been referred to, and they said Hydra had an interest, obviously, in the super soldier serum, but um, they're, they're there somewhere. There is a there there. Actually, I... The next scene was Bucky and Zemo, and I really enjoyed this scene. Zemo is very cool. Uh, he accepts, you know, his fate. It's not clear to me if he accomplished everything he wanted to in this abortive, not abortive, but short-term escape. But I was a little surprised that Wakandans didn't take him back to Wakanda for prison. They, they're sending him to the raft, and as we all know, Raft can be broken out of. Yeah, and, and well, and that also makes me wonder: is like, then, is there some kind of treaty agreement? Because who who owns or administrates the raft? Is that an American installation, or is it an international installation? It's UN. It's UN. Okay, so it's an international installation. Right. So now we come to your favorite part, Louisiana, and the men being, you know, vulnerable. I loved everything that happened in Louisiana. <laughs> And, and I said this before recording, so I'll say it again. Um, there is little that warms my cold, dead heart more than watching big, tough, manly superheroes get really vulnerable and talk about their feelings with each other. Healthy examples of male friendship are good for the world. I'm just going to put that out there. And it was lovely to see them really like connect and help each other and be kind. Um, and, I mean, um, Bucky flirting with Sam's sister was just delightful. All the boat scenes were great. Um, watching them just like work together on it, like I'd watch that spinoff, Forrest Gump style. Yeah, don't 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 mess with my sister. Uh, <laughs> she can't be messed with. She's the toughest of all. Well, three that's of them. that's true. Ha- hands down, that's true. Um, but the um, I was really taken by the scenes immediately before they started practicing with the shield, and that's where I thought uh, Sam really. Uh, confronted Bucky and confronted him in a way that mm-hmm. you may think you're making amends, but you're not. You're just solving your own, solve, solving your own conscience. And that's not what an amends is designed to do. An amends is there not as an apology. It's to truly make amends to the person you have harmed or damaged. And he confronts uh, Bucky that he has to do that. And I think we all know who that Number one, men's has to be, but I thought it was still very, very powerful. What were your thoughts on that? It was really nice because Sam has the background as um, a PTSD counselor, right? And he's done all of this work helping people get over the trauma and the bad things that they've had to do. And it was really nice to see that come into play in their in their relationship. Um, it, it it felt really appropriate. Uh, and, and I think Bucky really needed to hear it. And it's nice that they've kind of come to a point where they can be so upfront with each other. Uh, and, and actually just talk about these things rather than snarking at each other. The snarking is great. Always more snarking. But this was this was good. This felt like a real relationship and growth. And now I think they can actually effectively work together and achieve some actual goals. So the gift from the Wakandans. We saw the case. Uh, we saw Sam open it, but we didn't see what was in it. And also, the stones on him to ask a favor of the Wakandans after everything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pretty impressive. 
Sam uh, had his wings damaged by uh, the new Captain Walker in the opening fight scene. And he gave those to Torres uh, with the at least apparent assumption that Torres would become either the new Falcon or somehow incorporate those into a new character that he would become. Now we have Sam with what we think, and I emphasize think, are new wings. And I guess the question I wanted to pose to you, Megan, is it's not are we overanalyzing it, are we underanalyzing it? I mean, are we looking to see something we expect to see, but we're going to be see something completely different when we see what's in the case? My, my first thought wasn't actually that it was um, new wings, um, unless they're America wings. Because I, I kind of, my immediate assumption was that, okay, they've made him a Captain America in a suit just for Sam. And I thought that's kind of what this whole arc is coming to. Um, but he did really, because he seemed to kind of um, move away from wanting to be the Falcon. You know, he said to... To Torres, you keep it. Um, and Torres was so cute with the wings. Like, he really loved them. <laughs> there was so much tenderness in this episode. Um, but, yeah, so I, I kind of think it's it's either something totally new or it's a new Captain America suit. Ideally winged. I would agree, uh, agree with that. And then what did you – did you feel anything when we saw – uh, Walker, the new Captain America, making the new shield. I, I still have so many mixed feelings about the the whole downfall of new Captain America because, like, plainly he was wrong and he needs to, you know, have consequences for the terrible, terrible actions. But that's a he was just chewed up and spit out by by the people who created him. That that you know, it's it's possible to have some empathy for that. Um, making the shield really reminded me of the first Iron Man just the way they had framed it and the way he was kind of putting it together. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but I think this is the building of a new supervillain. Well, uh, I would agree with that. I would uh, perhaps put a more of an American face on this with the following observation that um, four people go out and engage in uh, mass murder with wep- uh, guns in America. They tend to put on their uniforms, put on their medals, and they go out in a blaze of glory. And when I saw that he had put the, his Medal of Honor on that shield, I really felt like he's getting ready to end it all, and he's going to end it all as a soldier, and it's it's uh, going to end poorly. I, I guess that's really telling, isn't it? Again, the difference between how Walker's been treated and how Bradley was treated. Um, so, you know, they yes, it was a public shaming, but they, they let new Captain America just walk. After after an incredibly public brutal murder, <laughs> and and they had for just you know following orders and saving colleagues right. put Bradley in prison for thirty years. You know they're very much asking for this blaze of glory to happen, and that's that's bad. So you had a note that I was very intrigued with, and it's actually a question: Did Batrock deliver some type of brainwashing device? So what's the genesis of that thought? Well, I was I was wondering because um, I know I, th- I think it must have been maybe it was weaponry, but when the Flag Smashers were in that park in New York and they sent the text message, everyone kind of in the park stood up and, and took action, and it, it it just seemed like this was almost like a brainwashing or a mind control type thing because everyone was sort of moving in unison and looking up, and moving at the same time. And it could have all just been pre planned, and this was the signal that had been arranged. But um, I felt like that hadn't been established, so yeah, my mind went to maybe this is some kind of of. Loki-style brain control. 
So maybe we use that scene to to ask about uh, Sharon Carter and her yes. role. Uh, she had very uh, limited uh, airtime on this one, but it was significant. And um, so, what did you think about Batrock? Is she um, the puppet master? Is she deeply undercover? Uh, or did you have some different thoughts this time? Well, she, she seems crime bossy to me. Probably, like, I, I don't think she's the power broker um, anymore, but I think she, she probably works directly for the power broker. Um, and, and she very much seems to be, you know, um, C-suite level crime boss, <laughs> if not the CEO. Um, and, and she had that, the, I thought was interesting was the revelation of the pre-existing relationship with Batrock. So she's hired him to do things before um, and getting him back. And, and I did get to brush off my French. So that was fun. So what uh, he said on the phone was um, it was your fault. I was in prison in the first place and half my team was killed. I'm never working for you again. Um, plainly he is working for him again because she has tons of resources to pay him to deliver weapons. Um, I hope we finally get a resolution next episode because it's just been question after question after question about Sharon Carter. Well, next episode is the last episode, I believe. Teasing us with a six-episode <laughs> season. <laughs> I assume we're going to get more answers and more questions. Um, so what did you think about the reveal that we got that it appears Bucky and uh, Cap conspired to give the shield to Sam, whereas before we'd sort of been led to believe it was Captain America only. Um, I love that. That, that seemed really, really, I I was not surprised by that. Uh, It it made total sense that they had planned it out and talked about it. I think Bucky knew everything um, from the minute he went uh, back into the time machine uh, to, to deliver the time stones back. He knew what was happening. And I think, I think their intentions were good with all of it, but as, as kind of, we, we, talked about earlier, they hadn't really considered what it might mean. They didn't have all the facts about what Captain America meant and obviously couldn't foresee what the world would be like post-blip. This was a natural extension of two best friends for life. And that's what I really got from that was that uh, actually what I thought was Cap offered it to Bucky and Bucky said, no, let's give it to Sam. And that uh, because Bucky at that point didn't feel like he deserved it. I'm not sure he'll ever feel that way, given his life as the Winter Soldier. But um, I was also intrigued that Sam would have that conversation with him. Not Sam, excuse me, Cap. Uh, So that was a a pretty poignant uh, scene for me. And um, but it seems Sam is ready to to take the mantle. Because what a training montage! What a training montage! (laughs) That was great. <laughs> it, it, it was just very, very cool. And I mean, I'd love if he was he was ready. And I, I hope the answer is like right at the opening of the last episode, because we need to know what was in that box. Um, and I would really like to, to see him make a stand to the government who has been treating every everyone so poorly, <laughs> just across the board. And I think it'll be interesting to see because the uh, that the other kind of big issue the, the flag smashers had infiltrated the grc vote you know this is now getting uh, pretty high into into you know terroristic activities um but ultimately against for the same fundamental purpose that sam is standing up for so how is that going to play out i can't wait to see is bucky finally getting better 
I think he is. I think through the power of friendship, he is healing. I have big capital letters here. They're friends now. They're not, they're not just friends with the mutual friends. They're, they're becoming friends. It seemed to me that some of the edge Bucky had in the first four episodes was not as sharp. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be more rounded now. And whether that was from Sam's friendship, whether that was recognizing that there was a core of humanity that had always been in him, was certainly was, was there now. Uh, it just seemed like to me that uh, the sharp edge I saw even in the first few episodes uh, was 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 softening. Yeah, and he seems he seems like more more centered and more grounded and and just more confident. I think it, yeah, that's it's been a nice nice journey to watch as well. So, unfortunately, uh we're near the end of this episode and unfortunately we're near the end of our six-part series. Almost. So, one to go. One to go. So, hope everybody's been enjoying this and I hope you'll join us next week where we wrap it up. Till next time. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance. Megan and I will be back together next week where we take a look at the next episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You should check out some of the other offerings on the Compliance Podcast Network. We have a new offering of Coffee and Regs, and we have Mo Forecast, the podcast from the Morrison and Forrester Law Firm hosted by fan favorite from the FCPA Compliance Report, James Kukios. Thanks again for listening. Please join us again next week. This has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.